This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you, a wonderful Rosh Chodesh to all of you. Yes, it's that time of the year. Once every six months we have Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, and this makes for a very, very special Shabbos. A Shabbos not only that has the qualities of the seventh day, the holiness of the seventh day, the day that God rested from creation, a day that we ourselves are expected to involve ourselves in greater and more meaningful spiritual activity. It's also a day that we celebrate Rosh Chodesh, which brings with it a newness, not only the new month, but a freshness, a new energy that comes to us each and every single month. And of course, Rosh Chodesh Tam is an important month. We'll talk about that later. And a month that has, well, on the one hand, all sorts of exciting, important, and joyous dimensions, but it's also the beginning of the three weeks when we begin to think about the mourning and destruction, the destruction of the temple, the three weeks of mourning. And this is why it's a special Friday, a special Friday, because we are going to prepare for a new Shabbos. We're going to prepare for a new month. We are going to prepare by looking at the Parsha and trying to understand what, in fact, the Parsha is telling us this week, what, in fact, the Parsha is telling us in terms of how we can better our lives, elevate ourselves to a level of greatness, a level of, well, profound relationship with God, profound relationship with each other, perhaps profound relationship with ourselves. The Parsha is Korach, a very, very disturbing Parsha. It's a Parsha where Korach, a cousin of Moshe, leads a rebellion, a mutiny against Moshe and Aaron, accusing them of all sorts of terrible things, that they've taken positions of leadership for themselves. Moshe is the leader of the Jewish people. Aaron is the high priest. Karach says, I also come from the same family as you. We have not been given any position of power or honor or greatness as you have. And therefore, he puts together a group of people, and he leads a march against Moshe and Aaron. And it's a story that has terrible consequences, terrible punishments, a story that talks to us about how, in fact, when challenging the leadership of Moshe, one puts themselves into a precarious position. In fact, 250 men and others join this ill-fated rebellion against Moshe. And we know the story of how the earth opened its mouth, so to speak, and swallowed them live, others punished in different ways. And I say it's a difficult and problematic Parsha, because Rashi asks the rhetorical question, he says, Korach was, he was a very, very clever man. He was an exceptionally clever man. And therefore, why did he get involved in something so foolish? He knew, he understood that God is the one who appointed Moshe, God is the one who appointed Aaron as the high priest. Why would he lead a rebellion against Moshe and Aaron when he knows full well, ultimately, that it will fail? After all, it's not something that he simply does. It's something which he considered. And if he considered, he knows that there is very little hope that he's going to be successful in this mutinous behavior. Why, in fact, does he do it? Why, as Rashi says, does a clever man do something which is so foolish, something which cannot succeed? 
And perhaps we begin to understand all of this when we take a look at the details of the story. Why was it necessary for this new creation, so to speak, for this new thing to appear, for the earth to open its mouth and swallow Korach and his henchmen altogether while they were alive? Why couldn't he be punished in perhaps a more conventional sort of way? Why was it necessary to introduce something that was, well, again, absolutely new, a miraculous method of punishing Korach? The earth opens its mouth and swallows them, something which sounds somewhat fanciful, but in fact, this is what happened. And the question, of course, is why would God choose to bring into being something which was absolutely new, something which was absolutely different, something which was, well, miraculous in its its own right. Why was it necessary to have this extraordinary demonstration of God's power? Why couldn't Korach and his rebellious henchmen be punished in a more conventional sort of way? And perhaps as we begin to take a look at the Parsha, we begin to have an inkling of what, in fact, is taking place. You know, one can simply talk about, well, Korach was jealous. Korach was a jealous human being. He was jealous of his cousin. He was jealous of Moshe. Perhaps not of Moshe so much. He was jealous of Aaron, the high priest. He comes from the same family. He comes from the same family of the Levites. And therefore, he feels that he, too, should be given a position or should have been given a position of honor and power. And he is simply jealous, and a person who becomes envious, a person who becomes jealous, well, does pretty foolish things. Jealousy is something which is so corrupting, something which is so destructive. Jealousy is something which is able to take great, powerful, sane, intelligent human beings and turn them into fools. Unfortunately, when jealousy is something which takes over the power of reason, when a person no longer understands logically and correctly what, in fact, should happen and how he has to relate to others. Jealousy is something which is able to break down the strength of greatness and allow for otherwise intelligent, fine people to behave foolishly. But that's not enough. It's not enough to say that Korach was jealous. Yes, perhaps he was jealous, but jealousy is not something which is so powerful that it's able to take someone as clever as Korach and corrupt him to such a degree. It would be perhaps underestimating the true intention, the true motive of Korach. It would reduce it simply to a weakened human state, to a weakened human condition, that one of jealousy and envy. And this is something which we shouldn't do because ultimately, of course, Korach is altogether different. His intentions are different. His motives are different. And therefore, if in fact we are going to understand the story correctly, if in fact we're going to come to terms with why Korach did something so incredibly stupid. We have to understand what, in fact, Korach is all about, how he functions, why he functions, what's his reasoning, what does he see, what's his view, what is his understanding of God's creation, of God's world, what is his understanding of leadership, what is his understanding of what, in fact, is taking place, and what drives him to do this terrible deed, this revolution, this mutiny against Moshe and Aaron, and challenging God himself. As the parsha opens up, it says, Vayikach Korach, Korach took something. And all the commentaries has the obvious question, what did he take? It doesn't say that he took anything. It simply says, Vayikach Korach, and Korach took. And then it gives us 
a long line of who he is, where he comes from, ultimately. And uh, then it goes on to talk about the actual revolution. What does it mean by Yikach Korach? And the commentaries explain by Yikach Korach is not that he took something. He took himself to the side. And as Onkelos, one of the great commentaries on Torah, one of the great translators, talks about the Itpaleg, he created fragmentation. He did something which broke unity. It did something which took the wholeness, the strength, the power of the Jewish people and reduced it to pieces. He reduced it to something which was no longer united, strong, and powerful in that sort of way. Vayikach Korach, he took himself to the side. He created a tremendous state of confusion and destruction within the Jewish community, not so much at the point of revolution yet, but simply by introducing fragmentation, and fragmentation, as we know, is the complete opposite to holiness, because holiness, with a capital H, is also wholeness, with a W, something which brings about completion, perfection, something which is great. Within a state of peace and holiness, one is able to accomplish all sorts of great things when there is a wholeness and everyone is included and everyone plays a very specific and important role. This is a great time, whereas when there is confusion, when there is fragmentation, when there is a breaking down of this unity, this is something which leads to all sorts of terrible consequences, as we will soon find out in the story of Korach and his great rebellion. More of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about the story of Korach. We're talking about how, in fact, a clever man like Korach, a very clever man like Korach, makes the monumental mistake of leading a revolution against Moshe and Aaron, knowing that ultimately it will fail. How does a clever man do something so foolish, something so stupid? And we raise the possibility of jealousy. We said no. Jealousy is not powerful enough. Jealousy is not a strong enough motive to take someone as clever as Korach and to bring him down the path ultimately of self-destruction. We're talking about Korach. We're talking about how a man as great and powerful and clever as Korach could possibly do something as foolish as leading a revolution against Moshe. And as I said before, we examined the possibility of jealousy, and although jealousy is a pretty powerful motive, jealousy is able to take otherwise sane, intelligent, clever human beings and turn them into something which they're not. Jealousy is something which blinds the eyes, which kind of hurts the heart. It's something which makes individuals think terribly, terribly crooked. And because of that, they bring destruction upon themselves and others. But no, Korach is not that sort of person. Korach is an individual that will not allow himself to simply be driven by jealousy as we understand it. And we talked about Vayikach Korach. He took himself to one side. He created fragmentation. He created a breakdown of unity because unity ultimately is the key to all things good, a wholeness where each and every single element has a role to play. Each and every single part is absolutely vital. Fragmentation is everyone is off on their own mission. Everyone is doing their own thing. Fragmentation talks to us about something which is basically 
that which is not complete, that which is not whole, and therefore cannot bring about a state of blessing and wholeness. Wholeness can only come when there is a whole type of approach, a united type of approach. When we have that approach, we can do extraordinary things. But if it's each person for himself, it is very, very limited. Yes, each individual might have great talents and great gifts and great abilities and great intelligence and huge emotional capacity, but in fact, it comes from a very limited and specific point of view and therefore cannot address the entire situation. Where does that thinking come from? Why did Korah actually create this type of fragmentation? And he was able to draw a following of pretty powerful men as well, leaders of the community, individuals who had positions of honor and greatness. What was it within Korah that he himself took himself to the side? He himself created a division. He stood aside from everyone else. How was he able to influence others to listen to this type of logic and begin to follow him as well? Well, Korach had a certain problem. Korach's problem was that it wasn't so much a rebellion against Moshe and Aaron. It manifested in that type of action. Here below, what he wanted was to occupy their position. But in actual fact, what motivates Korach is a whole different philosophical view of what creation is all about and the role that God plays in creation. Korach's biggest problem was not so much Moshe and Aaron. That was simply on a lower level where he wanted to take their position. And perhaps he was able to influence some by using that type of corrupt political approach. Korach had a problem with God. And God's creation is something that he challenged. He came along and he said, yes, once upon a time God created the world. There was a stage where there was nothing and God brought everything into being. But after he did that, after God accomplished that incredible feat of creation, he allows for every single individual dimension within creation to occupy their own position and take the lead and become whatever it does in order to achieve whatever individuals want to achieve in this world. He denied the fact that God created a great and perfect world. God created a world where each and every single element of that creation has a role to play. Nothing is redundant. Each and every single molecule, atom within all of creation has a role to play. Each and every single individual has something unique and special and different to contribute. And this is what Karak challenges. Karak challenges the fact that each and every one of us is different in a particular sort of way. What does he say? We're all potential leaders. We're all great men. We all are of the same level of Moshe and Aaron. Why? Because he denies the individuality. He denies the uniqueness of specific individuals, and that individual has something that no one else possesses. He denies the fact that there is differences within all of us, and it's this great God-given wonderful difference that makes us great as well. When each and every one of us is absolutely the same, when each and every one of us, well, we're all exactly the same, then, well... 
Most of us aren't important. Most of us aren't necessary. But if each and every one of us has something unique and special and different to contribute, then, of course, each and every one of us has an infinite role to play. Because without the contribution of every specific individual, the wholeness, the completeness, the unity of God's creation is lacking. It takes each and every single individual, each and every single individual with their own set of qualities and talents and abilities and unique personality and unique character to contribute that which they are to the overall whole of God's creation. And this is something which Korach challenges. Korach says, you know, we're all the same, we're all exactly the same, and therefore, Moshe, don't you occupy a position of greatness and importance because, you know, we're exactly the same. He denies the fact that Moshe had particular gifts, and God gave Moshe those gifts because God identified Moshe as a leader. Aaron has specific and powerful abilities and gifts and talents. And God appoints him as the high priest. And this is something which you just can't come to on your own. You know, no matter how good we are, no matter how talented we are, you can't simply become a high priest. You simply can't become a Moshe on your own. This is something which has to be designated by God himself. This is what God says. You have a specific quality. Yes, ultimately, that makes you great. That makes you powerful. But each and every single individual is very different. And this is what Korach challenges. Korach challenges differences. Korach challenges the differences that come about as a result of the fact that each and every one of us is a God-given, God-appointed individual specific agent that tries to participate in the wholeness of God's wonderful creation. This is why Moshe says, wait for the morning and we'll see the judgment of God. Why does he say wait for the morning? Because as morning is different than night. Yes, you can call morning night, you can call night morning, you do whatever you want. But morning is morning and night is night. And he says, wait for the morning. Understand that there are differences within God's creation. And if it's so within the natural realm of light and dark and day and night, how much more so within the human capacity? Because this is what makes us special. And this is why when it comes to the punishment, it comes to the punishment, what happens? It comes to the punishment, God says, I am going, Moshe says, I am going to show you something that comes from the very first stage of God's creation. The earth opening his mouth is not some sort of natural and strange phenomena. This is something which was there from the moment of creation because God the creator is still very much in charge of his creation. God is still very much involved in his creation. God is very much directing each and every specific individual within creation. And if you choose to deny difference, what you are denying is God as creator and manager, director of his great creation. And this is something that we have to understand at all times, because at all times we have to know the presence of God. God the Creator is here. There is a constant recreation. Each and every one of us, each and every single element within all of creation is constantly being brought into being again and again and again. God is 
there. God is here. God is then. God is now. God is the one that takes care of his creation from beginning to end. He creates each and every one of us. He endows each and every one of us with extraordinary powers, with greatness, with with, with tremendous abilities, with tremendous opportunities. Each and every one of us is someone that can bring about a state of unity because we bring something unique and special to the overall structure of God's creation. And this is what Korach was challenging. Korach turns around to Moshe and Aaron, and he says, who are you? We're all the same. Nothing is different. You are this and I am that. Yes. It is important to recognize. It's something which I talk about often. It's important to recognize and to celebrate difference. You can do whatever you want. You know, there's young, there's old, there's night, there's day. You can call somebody who's young old, somebody who's old young. You can do whatever you want. You can call an infant an elderly sage. You can call an elderly sage a child. But those are only words. The fact remains that the elderly sage is the elderly sage, and the infant is the infant. And when you confuse the two, all you do is bring about fragmentation, as did Korach. What does Korach do? By Yikach Korach, whatever he does, he brings about confusion. He brings about destruction that comes about as a result of fragmentation. He denies the unity because he denies the uniqueness of each and every single individual having something specific and very different to contribute to the overall purpose of God's creation. God's creation is a magnificent, a magnificent expression of God's greatness. But at the same time, God created the world by giving specific things, the heaven, the earth, well, the world of vegetation, the world of minerals, the world of humans, each and every one of us has something special and different and unique. And this is what Karach challenges. Karach challenges the individuality of each and every specific thing and the uniqueness. And therefore, although what he says sounds good, you know, we're all equal, we're all the same, etc., etc., in actual fact, what it does is break down the opportunity of bringing about a sense of wholeness and completeness, a sense of true peace, a sense of true freedom, a sense of true greatness coming about as a result of each and every one of us participating. More of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about Korach. We're talking about the great mistake that he made. We talk about the foolishness that he exercised by challenging the leadership of Moshe and Aaron because it wasn't the leadership of Moshe and Aaron that he was truly challenging. He was challenging the concept of God, creator, creating each and every one of us in a specific sort of way with very special and unique qualities. And each and every one of us has something special and different to contribute to the overall structure of his creation. And while, of course, Korach uses words like, like we are all equal and we're all special, etc., etc., what in actual fact he means is that we are not. He wants to put everybody within the same framework, each and every one of us the same, and therefore 
Most of us, therefore, become redundant. Whereas Moshe spoke about the idea that each and every one of us has a great and specific purpose. But before we continue with that, we're talking about Karot. We're talking about the fatal mistake that he made. We talk about why he was punished in a way that God had to bring about a witness from the very beginning of creation to indicate that God is still very much involved, not only very much involved, but totally and completely involved within the existence of every detail and aspect of creation and how he made each and every one of us unique and special and different because each and every one of us has a unique and special and different thing to contribute to the overall wonderful unity of God's immense creation. And this is why Moshe represents the Word of God. Moshe says, each and every one of us is special. I spoke about Shabbos being Rosh Chodesh Tammuz and Tammuz being a special month. One of the reasons why, in fact, Tammuz is a special month is because on Monday night, Tuesday, is the third of Tammuz and the third of Tammuz. We commemorate the Yerzeit of the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, of righteous memory. Now, whenever I talk about the Rebbe, and I am a chassid of the Rebbe, I talk about the Rebbe in a state of awe, because we saw, we experienced unbelievable leadership from the Rebbe. We saw something which is extraordinary and something which is very much connected with this week's Parsha. You know, I often quote the former chief rabbi of the United Kingdom, Jonathan Sachs, who knew the Rebbe well, and was devoted to the Rebbe, considered himself a chassid of the Rebbe, and he spoke about his encounter with the Rebbe, his encounters with the Rebbe. And what he said about the Rebbe was quite phenomenal. He said as follows, he said, leaders, most leaders create followers. The greatness of the Rebbe's leadership is that the Rebbe created leaders. And this is something which is so much connected with this week's Parsha. The ability of seeing something unique, extraordinary, and different within each and every single individual and bringing it to the fore, the greatness of the Rebbe's leadership, and he was involved in so many different things. We speak about his scholarship. We speak about his knowledge. We speak about his devotion. We speak about so many great things of the Rebbe. But it was the leadership of that Rebbe, the fact that he was a Nasi. He was a leader. And as a leader, he reached out to each and every single individual and said, you have something special. You have something special to contribute, young, old, male, female, no matter who you are, no matter where you are. You might be in a great Jewish community. You might be all alone. You are in charge because you have within you something that no one else possesses. You have within you something which makes you special and great. The Rebbe turned ordinary human beings into giants, took individuals and said, you have the capacity to do great things. And while, of course, the word great things is a relative term, but each and every one of us within the context of our own lives, and perhaps even beyond, we are able to do extraordinary things. And this is what the Rebbe constantly did. He challenged us. He challenged us to reach that potential, to be greater than we are, not to be limited by whatever it is that limits us, 
the sameness that exists in the world. He says, no, each and every single one of us. And this is why that ever spoke to each and every single community. He spoke to the adults. He spoke to men. He spoke to women. He spoke to children. He spent hours speaking to children, telling each and every single child, you have something to contribute to this world, not only when you grow up, but even as a child, you have something special to give that no one else can give. And you are able to go home to your family. And when you do things correctly, not only can you bring about a state of goodness within your own family, you are able to influence your parents in a positive and powerful way as well. And he spoke to everyone about that concept. Of course, people who were in obvious positions of leadership, but he saw within each and every one of us the potential for leader each and every one of us within the context of our lives, within the relationship, in the environment that we find ourselves, we have the capacity of bringing about great and powerful change. And it's not something that we speak about in theory. It's something that we speak ever since he accepted the mantle of leadership of Chabad Lubavitch in 1950. He brought about phenomenal change in the world. Look at the world today. Look at the world and look at the expansion of Chabad Lubavitch. Look at what the Rebbe accomplished. And not only Chabad Lubavitch, but in the world Jewish community at large, the ability to reach out to individuals. Yes, a great a great many people followed what he had to say, and a great many people emulated what he had to say. But he was a pioneer. He brought about extraordinary change, and he brought about extraordinary change not because of his charisma and greatness and knowledge and scholarship, etc., which was there in huge amounts, but because he actually believed that each and every one of us has the capacity to do great things and to become great within ourselves within the world that we live. We have the capacity to bring to fruition the incredible potential that we possess. This is what the Rebbe was all about. And this is why he constantly challenged. Yes, he spoke for hours and taught at the highest and most profound levels of of Torah, of, of scholarship, of whatever, but always with the message that each and every one of us has the capacity to do extraordinary things and to bring about the fulfillment of God's creation. Please, God, we should merit in our times the coming of Mashiach. Each and every one of us, young, old, men, women, no matter who we are and where we are, we have the capacity. He spoke about each and every one of us committing to acts of goodness and kindness and how each and every single act of goodness and kindness is able to change the world. He spoke about the fact that a little girl lights Shabbos candles on Friday evening before Shabbos brings about profound and tremendous change. When a young child, a young boy, whatever it is, puts a coin into a charity box, it brings about profound change. When somebody puts on film, whatever we do, it brings out extraordinary and great leadership quality within each and every one of us. And this is why in Parshas Korach and Shabbos Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, we dedicate ourselves to the legacy of the Rebbe, and we try to remember as best we can 
how it is to bring about that extraordinary change. And this is why when you're in shul tomorrow, think about these things. Think about the Parsha. Think about the foolishness of Korach's rebellion. Think about the greatness of Moshe. And spend a moment or two and give tribute to the Rebbe as well. The fact that in our generation we were blessed with this sort of luminary, with this leadership, a leadership that brought out and brings out leadership within each and every one of us. Good Shabbos and good Chodesh.